That's right. I've killed women and children. I've killed just about everything that walks or crawled at one time or another. And I'm here to kill you, Gerald, for what you did to Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Gerald is here with you. We got a retro review this week, the roulette review. Over on the other side is the Smith to my Wesson, Nicholas, the other P on the pod. What's up there, brother? <laughs> Sorry, I was I was I thought you were a can. I was just trying to I was just trying to practice, like get some target practice in on you there, but gotta get oh. really close. How is it? To, how how is it going, Gerald? Uh, audio audience, you're missing a treat tonight. He's got like a little a little beanie on, a little hoodie, a little hoodie action. He looks like he's headed out to yeah. rob a convenience store after this. I'm uh, <laughs> I might actually. We need some <laughs> stuff around the house here. I, um, I I got sick today. I had to leave work early. Um, I got a really sore throat, but you know what, man? I power through. But that's why I sound like I've been chain smoking for two days straight. Uh, so I apologize, audio audience. Be honest. And then I want you to be honest with me. You watch this yeah. movie, right? Yeah. You watch this movie again for this review. And you were like, you know what I'm going to do? I need to get my voice down to that East Woody register. So you've been, <laughs> you've been just shrieking and like, like trying to get a, like a sore throat. So you could like get, uh, I can't even I guess do it. it my did, East Woody sounds of... something like a Batman impression, I guess. Yeah, I guess it did kind of bring it down there in the register a little bit. Yeah, I, I, it so wasn't intentional. Me, but tell I'll me your it. name is William Money. Go ahead, do it. My name is Will Money. How's that sound? Was that good? Uh, it sounds like you're like an understudy for like the Unforgiven, <laughs> like but like the super off Broadway musical version. Yeah, right. Yeah, sure. That'd be awesome. All right, guys, look, we are doing, we spun the wheel a couple weeks ago. We landed on me. I finally got to make a selection Ooh. for a retro review, and we chose 1992's Unforgiven, starring and directed by Clint Eastwood. Uh, I have a ton of thoughts on this movie, which not shocking since I chose it. So I'm going to hold my commentary. Nick, before we get into the dissection of Unforgiven, as always, we start out every episode with what we call one big question. You could ask yourself a question. I have a lot of questions. Number one, how dare you? We had Clint right in there. There that's he is. Clint, He's getting right? this ready. Yeah, yeah, that's the even, problem. I, I, I um, wasn't even thinking here, about yeah. it. Yeah, I wasn't even thinking about that. But yeah, there's Clint making an appearance every week. And now we're talking about one of his films. Every week. So what do you got? for me man or do you want me to go first all right no i got you i got you baby uh i was thinking about this because this is a this is a film about an anti-hero sure gerald lay lay on me you don't have to do it you don't have to do a list i don't need your top five but then you're gonna round it out to top 10 i don't need i don't need that whole thing <laughs> but just like lay on me like one or some uh aside from i know i know how much you love this movie so i won't worry about this one but like like other other anti-heroes in films that you really really love that's actually uh, a bit of a head scratcher for me. Uh, the first one that came to mind, I thought that's what you were going to ask me. And I started kind of like puzzling. 
uh, is uh, Tyler Durden from Fight Club. Yeah, 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 yeah. Brad Pitt. He would probably be one of my go-tos for sure. Uh, obviously, like Tony Soprano. That's a TV show, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, he's doing the dad thing and trying to be a family man, but obviously, you know, killing people on the side. Uh, I saw some lists. Uh, I saw some lists of this that included Jack Sparrow. Would you include Jack Sparrow as an anti-hero? Maybe only in the first movie. Hmm, that's an interesting take. I wonder if it's because just inherently he's like a criminal as a pirate. So maybe I, th- I, th- I think that that's why they're including him on the list. But yeah. I th- that is that is I would not have thought that though, no. grossly like I mean, yeah, maybe I, uh, I-, I could almost buy an argument of just the first movie. But then like there's no way he transitions like straight up into a hero. Like by the time you get to like the latter parts of that, so- that series or whatever. What about like uh, Patrick, uh, Patrick Bateman from American Psycho, Christian Bale's character? Have you seen American Psycho or no? Would he be an anti-hero? You don't think? Um, in what way is he an anti-hero? I'm curious. I'm curious for that because he's like, is is it because he's like, I don't, I don't even know. Well, I was thinking more because the plot twist. I mean, he's just basically innocent. You know, it's all in his head or whatever. Um, is it? But he does he does some pretty brutal things in the. Is it all in his head? I think that's how it comes to fruition at the end of the film, right? No. Now we got now we got to do American Psycho on a roulette spin. No, like the, the great <laughs> thing the great thing about American Psycho. Well, I mean, if we ever do it, we could talk about it. But it's kind of like Total Recall in that way, where there is no definitive answer. Well, okay, no, there is a definitive answer if you've ever seen the American Psycho sequel that Mila Kunis was in, because it very mm. definitively thinks he was like thinks he was a serial killer um it, it very definitively takes that but like no it's like it's very very deliberately there's an argument for both in the film uh I yeah think. Like, same true. way with total that's recall true. it's it's definitely a, a solid argument you can make uh is he really like dreaming and like is this a whole manufactured thing in his head or is he really this like badass secret agent on mars you know true. with like a dude hanging out of another dude's chest a queen you know like all that yeah that's fair. I mean, I you know, I guess I'll stick with Tony Soprano. I mean, he's to me, he's the ultimate. I mean, I know Tony it's not Soprano's a, movie. a good one. Yeah, so that's probably my number one anti-hero, and then Tyler Durden from you know Brad Pitt as well. So, you know, what, what I, I really what? is is one I really really love, and it's kind of why I, it's kind of why I thought of this question for it specifically. Mm-hmm. It's the comedian from Watchmen. Like, I mean, either yeah. the movie, either the movie or the or the or the graphic novel. But yeah, like, that's true. I mean, he is a sadistic, like sick twisted bastard but also like there's like a a, a, a a virtue almost at least in his eyes even to yeah. to, to what he does you know and he that's true he i mean i i could have i could have also like some people will will say rorschach there but i don't think rorschach is an anti-hero as much as he's just like anti does that make sense? <laughs> sure. I don't know. Yeah, sure. I don't know if that makes no, sense. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good one. I wouldn't have thought of that either. That's a good one. Yeah. So my big question is a bit of a like kind of life reflection question. Okay. That, oh man. Now we're gonna get into it when we when we talk about Unforgiven here tonight. But the reason I'm springboarding to this question for you is because this is the last movie that I saw with my father in a theater. Uh, he was a giant Clint Eastwood fan, and at a young age, would I use the term make me. I appreciate them now, but at the time, he would make me watch the reruns of the old westerns that were playing on TBS or TNT or local cable or whatever. 
What you're saying is your dad would make your day. That's right. That's right. He would definitely attempt to make my day. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) he was just very excited for this movie when it came out. It was Clint Eastwood going back to the Western genre, which he had not been in for like 10 or 15 years before this movie came out. And uh, it was just like an event for him. He was so excited. And my dad was not an excitable guy. So that really stuck in my memory. And we went to see the movie together, and I kind of share that memory. So my question to you for one big question, Nick, is what movie do you think your kids are going to associate with you that you've shared with them over the years, like a memory that you have with them of watching a film? Man. I mean, I took them to see, like, a bunch of different stuff, like, when they were younger especially. Mm-hmm. God, I'm trying to think of, like, what would be – like good ones because like i i I, it'd probably be less like stuff like taking them to the theater and stuff as it would be like watching things at home with them like sure i used to own when um when when after batman forever came out they had batman 89 they had batman returns and batman forever in a three in a three uh tape set you got three vhs's in there with all three mm-hmm. of those movies and i and then i had i had batman and robin on vhs as well so like i would because i love those movies so i would put those on all, all the time for the kids i think probably watching those kinds of movies uh those movies especially i would say like though like they love i know they love those movies and like i loved watching those movies with them because like batman 89 is the movie that made me love movies like it is the movie that made me into the the film lover that i am so that's great. It's, it's 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 probably it's probably definitely those. I mean, that's from that's from like a young age. And I know at some point I gave them I gave them those VHSs. I mean, I'm sure they I'm sure those are long gone somewhere else now because, I mean, it's VHS it's dead format. So, you know, well, I was just thinking and, and back and to your point real quick about Batman 89 and those you know, those films that spawned off of that. I mean, superhero films were in a much different place back then in the 80s and 90s. And it was an event and it was cool. You got one every – what was the last one before that one? Uh, Superman Superman, 4 in like 87, which was a Mm. canon movie. So it doesn't even really qualify as (laughs) a movie in that Uh, that sense. Yeah, sure. Old nuclear man. Hey, nuclear man, Gene Hackman. (laughs) Lex Luthor (laughs) back around to Unforgiven. See how it all ties together, Gerald. It's like we're playing six degrees of Unforgiven today. We are. Um, Well, for me, I actually texted my daughter and I asked her, you know, she's 22. She's in college. And I asked my 10 year old as well, Logan. Now, my four year old is a little too young. Obviously, we're just watching Disney and, you know, crap with him at this point. But I asked my 10 year old. And then I texted my daughter and she had the same answer. So I think it's fair to say that my kids are going to always associate Stand By Me with me because I introduced both of them to that film at a young age, like eight or nine years old. It's rated R because there's a lot of bad language in it. Now, I want to some... call foul on this, Gerald, because you gave me so much crap back in the old time of the peas when you used to do the countdowns. I put, <laughs> the family this, friendly. I put this on like my one of my top like family you did yeah it wasn't like family friendly countdown was it I was think it, it like was family uh, movies, movies or something it, it was movies to watch with the whole family or, or something, something like, like that. that yeah but it was like yeah. something like that and i put this on my list it might have even been my number one or something like that and you gave me so much crap over it and <laughs> this I? is this is the movie you're pulling <laughs> this one hey w- when i pick it it's okay i just gotta give oh, okay. you a hard time when you pick it you know <laughs> 
That's what it's it a is. Great, it's such a good movie. God, it man, really is, man. And just to be able to, just to know that that's stuck with them. You know, for my yeah. daughter, we're talking, you know, 14 years ago, she would have watched that. And she like, you know, still, that's the first thing she said right away. I will watch that movie in a minute. You know what we ought to do? We ought to do that movie too. We man, should. Yeah. One episode a week's not enough. Like at this point, we got to start like cranking out some of these bad boys, especially this time of year. Am I right? Man. Well, we're going to have, yeah, we're not even going to be able to do retro stuff. We've got so much, so much stuff to to dabble into it, over the yeah, next it's about couple to months. Get, uh, it's about to get busy. Get in busy. The, for show, for show. All right, Nicholas. So one big question is in the books, which means it is time to get into our discussion for this week's retro roulette review for Where's Unforgiven from 1992. Two? Oh, sorry. Let me just tell everyone while Nick is trying to locate the two in his book. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you want to get in on the action, we do these, we spin the roulette wheel, I don't know, roughly once a month or so, and we will pick a movie. Either one of us will pick it or our patrons will throw some movies into the hat and we'll pick one out from them. We still have a huge bucket of movies. There are patrons I've selected. I'm probably going to ask them to put even more in that bucket in the next, after the holidays. If you want to get in on that action, the information's in the show notes. You can join us over on Patreon for as little as a dollar. And, uh, Fuel this, keep the beard growing. Every dollar I get, I grow the beard out another millimeter. So eventually the beard's going to get so long, it's going to like, <laughs> it's going to circle back up around the top of his head and swallow him. Finally, so, I'll have hair. Am I right? I mean, it's just, yeah, it's getting this there. is, you're, you're, you're paying to eventually have Gerald just be encompassed by his own facial hair. So just a ball of hair. Uh, how could you not get in on that action? All right, so uh, the roulette review this week, Unforgiven, 1992, directed by Clint Eastwood. Uh, at the top of every review, we give our score out of 10, and we have not discussed it with each other. Obviously, it is no mystery that I am a huge fan of this film. I'm going to give my score out of 10, and Nick is going to give his score out of 10 in the early score reveal. Damn it, this always happens. I think I'm going to score, and then I never score. It's not fair. Oh, it's oh my fair. God. I it wonder what Gerald's going to give this movie. All I'm right, here we go. so Three, <laughs> two, one. Yeah. It is a 10 out of 10 for me. And you, I'm giving God it a seven. damn you, are you I'm giving it a, a seven. seven? You're giving the greatest Western <laughs> in American cinema a seven. Yo, eight. Ain't even close. No, 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 so no, no. So you're no. doing what Wayne no, no, did no. for war no. films. No, 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 no. We, we, we this. Wow, this best is western of all time. Ain't, In my opinion, no, no. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a mm-hmm. whole different kind of conversation. Speaking of like which, top three. You you mentioned you mentioned Saving Private Ryan as well. I went to see it, Gerald, on the big screen last week. I oh, saw yeah. wow. it in theaters a week ago. I'd never seen it in the theater before. I've seen it a million times, obviously. Man. Oh wow. 25th anniversary. That's a good man, one. that movie holds up. I was God, gonna say, was it like an anniversary up. or something? Yeah. yeah, 25th anniversary. Yeah, that movie holds up. So if you've never seen that wow. in the theater either and you get a chance with like the anniversary, I don't know if they're still doing screenings of it or anything like that anywhere. But if you ever get the chance to see that movie in a theater, uh it, it will give you a whole new appreciation and respect for sound design in film. Uh, you right. feel like there are bullets whizzing by you. Like, it's just so immersive. Wow. And I saw it at my Regal, which is not like the pinnacle of cinematic experience by any means. Anyway, sure, not sure, that sure. movie we're talking about. We're talking about Unforgiven. Uh, yeah, back to Unforgiven. So uh, going forward, guys, this is going to be a spoiler-filled review. We're not going to do a spoiler-free section, the retro review, the film's 
hell, I don't know, how old is it? 30 years old ish. 31 now, yeah. Yeah, so if you haven't seen it, then come back after you watch Clint Eastwood's Unforgiven, which, by the way, is currently streaming on Amazon Prime. And in my opinion, it is one of the greatest films of all time. And I think it's in the conversation as one of the best Westerns of all time, too. But we will have that conversation tonight as the episode unfolds here. So, Nick, I've talked about this movie before. Everybody knows I love it. I chose it for the review tonight. It's a 10 out of 10 for me. I'm going to talk about why I love it and why it means so much to me. But why don't you start us off? Where, generally speaking, what are your thoughts on Unforgiven up here at the top? Performances, mostly anyway, uh, f- phenomenal. I mean, utterly and utterly and completely phenomenal. I mean, the the way this film is shot, I mean, I mean, only, only, I mean, well, okay, all the other filmmakers that could have made a film like this are dead, you know, um, like your John Fords and, and, Sergio Leone like things like that sure like, yeah so like this was only a film like that that Clint Eastwood could make I mean it it, it it's it's steeped in that kind of in in, in that kind of uh, western frame when the way that it's shot the way that the movie's paced a lot of westerns and I know you know this as well but like a lot of westerns are paced like drudgingly slow but like deliberately yeah. so because you're kind of supposed to just kind of like it's it's a quieter, simpler time, and I and I and I really, it watching a movie like this, it really gives you more of an appreciation for just like that kind of thing, uh, like because they don't they don't make like how many movies have we reviewed, Gerald, since we started you know doing this version of the piece together? How many movies have we reviewed like this that just are this slow? And I don't mean that as a detriment. That's not a detriment against the film. But how many how many have we watched that are this just this slow? Maybe silence. I mean, other than that, I mean, yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe silence. Maybe silence. Yeah. Past lives too, maybe. Sure, sure. Um where the pacing is very slow and it's very, very deliberate. I think this won an Oscar for editing as well. I think that's one yeah. of the Oscars that it uh that it carried away. And I like the pacing of the film is is phenomenal. The way the film shot is utterly and completely phenomenal. Like I said, acting for the most part uh, is 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 really really wonderful. I enjoyed a lot about the movie. Like, don't take the score as some kind of knock against it or anything like that. I didn't right. go to see it as the last film ever in the theater with my dad, and I've had thirty years with it. Okay, <laughs> sure, yeah. I don't I don't have I'll that. To, I don't have that to bring to this. Um, like I really, really enjoyed it. I think like as a Western, I think it holds up, even though it was made 30 years ago. Uh, I definitely think it's still, it, it still, it still holds up today. Had a couple of issues that I will talk about when we, okay when we get to that point or whatever, but like th- this is, this is, this is, I, I don't care if you've talked about this film a million times on this show or whenever, wherever this is top three all time for you. This is 10 out yeah. of 10. This is tied to like memories of you with your dad. Like, I want to hear why this is, like, so much up there for you. That's what I want. Sure, yeah. Well, the personal connection, you know, I kind of already touched on. But, I mean, my dad was just a huge Clint fan. I mean, that was his favorite actor. And he, we watched all the old. I want to jump in really quick, though. Sure, yeah. How did you, how did, being such a huge Western fan, because this is a very, very much a deconstruction of that exactly. mystique of the Western. How mm-hmm. did your dad like this? Did your dad love this? Did your dad, was did he not like it? Was he just kind of in, in the middle of it? Uh, he liked it a lot. Oh, okay. I mean, I, um, uh, well, I, I'll go ahead and talk about it now because that was a good segue for me to mention this. I was, I didn't know when this was going to come up in the review, but yeah. 
there's only two times that I can remember seeing my dad cry, and one of them was during this movie. So I think that he was overcome with his kind of love and connection to Clint Eastwood's catalog. And this movie kind of plays like that swan song for Clint Eastwood, too. Um, it mirrors his Hollywood career in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, he did some great shit after this. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, Million Dollar Baby. And I mean, you know, you could throw anything out there um, that, you know, you you could say it was a good film. I mean, there were several of them, but it played much differently when you're watching it because I mentioned earlier how he kind of came back to this Western genre and you said exactly something else I wanted to mention tonight that he kind of deconstructed it and he uh, filmed it from almost like, it was almost like this movie had a lot of the stuff that was missing from the other Westerns, but that, you know, probably happened in those movies. They just didn't showcase them and you just didn't see them. Uh, you know, a lot of those kind of like calm talks with friends and, you know, just that kind of beneath the surface behind the scenes stuff that we didn't see in those gunslinging Westerns of the old days that even Clint was in himself. Yeah. So I love that about the movie, too, that it kind of goes against type there. But to answer your question, my dad loved it. But I also think he was super biased because it was Clint Eastwood. <laughs> and because he kind of thought to himself, well, this might be Clint's last movie. And what a way to go out. I mean, you also mentioned the Oscars. I mean, Best Picture, Best Director. Gene Hackman won for Supporting Actor. Uh, Freeman was nominated. Clint was nominated. It won Best Editing. I think it won Cinematography. Like, I mean... It's one of the greats in that respect from like, you know, uh, having awards kind of rain down on it as well. But, you know, the personal stuff with my dad and everything was definitely the catapult for it and is the reason why I saw it at a young age. Uh, but it's just stuck with me for so long. And every time I watch it, and I, this is no exaggeration. I mean, people are going to think I'm saying this because we're reviewing the movie, but I've seen it probably... I don't know, 10 to 15 times, somewhere in that range over the last 30 years. Yeah. Every time I watch it, I have goosebumps at certain wow. scenes in this movie. And, you know, particularly the last act when he's avenging, uh, you know, Ned's death and he activates, right? Because the whole movie has been these whisperings and like people recollecting the the bastard that he was and, you know, you mentioned in the cold open, killing women and children. And, you know, I mean, there's so many different like little things sprinkled throughout where like we hear it, but we're seeing this kind of broken down old father who just wants to provide for his kids and doesn't want to be that anymore. And then to see him in an instant grab the whiskey and just turn back into the fucking murderous bastard that he was his whole life. Uh, it's one of the better revenge movies of all time, in my opinion. Um, and I've already mentioned one of the best Westerns too. I mean, I, I just, I love it. I think it's the best in Eastwood's catalog. I'd like to know what you think about that. Uh, I think it's his best film, at least from a, the director's chair. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm in love with this movie, man. It's one of my favorites of all time. Man, I'd have to, I probably have way too many Eastwood blind spots to really be able to say like, yay nay on on like best ever of eastwick's catalog uh, I'm, I'm looking through his filmography now uh and i'm just kind of trying to find stuff in here that i really loved grand torino i really loved letters from you with jimmy you ever see that 
He did the he did, did both of them. He did flags from our fathers and he did letters from me with Jima. I really liked the second one. Um, but I love I mean both of those are, are phenomenal movies. You talked about great movies that he made uh after Unforgiven and everything like that. I man, that's a that's something you gotta sit with uh, trying to figure yeah, out I mean, uh, trying to figure that out. But, but. Well, yeah. what was the what were the um, issues for you? I mean, I want to kind of talk about the performances, and I want to talk about you know all the main players in the movie. But I also kind of want you to lead that conversation because I'm curious to what brought it down for you. It's 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 the kid, man. It's I I hate I hated that performance. Which I one? Hated, uh, oh, the, the young dude? kid, Yimes yeah. Wolvet. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, but. I hated that performance. I thought it was so whiny and and sniveling yeah. and everything like that. I mean, I get it. He's supposed to be trying to act like he's this big tough guy, and he's sure. really not, and he's really more vulnerable. He's never actually killed a man uh, or anything like that. He's never actually been in that kind of a scenario. But, like, I, I found the performance to be grating. Like, I especially when you're on screen with Clint Eastwood and Morgan Freeman, I'm just like, God, one of them, especially <laughs> being like those. I mean, especially you think about Eastwood like that, just like as as the crotchety Western character who doesn't take crap from anybody or whatever. You have like 50 times during this movie. I just expected him to turn around and shoot him just to yeah, right. just to drop him right there sure. and, and just be done with it. I just I did not like that performance at all. I really it, it it was it, it just it 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 is it's definitely the weakest in the movie i'll give you that for sure yeah it's it it definitely is and then like it 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 has it has dumbledore in it gerald it has richard harris in it as english bob yeah but why i hate when movies do exposition through like kind of dialogue through the main characters so i think that English Bob's insertion into the story was to provide that exposition for little Bill and what he was not going to tolerate in big whiskey. I've always saw it as a visual kind of exposition. Like, you know, yeah. he was made the example of, and I mean, Richard Harris is fucking awesome in this movie, dude. Richard, Richard Harris is great. I Richard feel like Harris maybe is great. he got nominated for this too. I don't have it in front of me, but I feel like maybe I, he I'm did. not sure. Yeah, he, I, I mean, he was in the conversation. Like, I won't. I won't but, tell you he's not great in it. And I mean, it's Richard Harris. Richard so Harris is good, great. man. How about that scene though? So let's go ahead and talk about that scene when Little Bill kind of turns into that kind of like scary figure because man, when Hackman when Hackman dials it up, man, Hackman, God, Hackman's good. Yeah, like when Hackman dials it up, man. Like you just miss performances like that in movies nowadays, don't you? Like yeah, when Hackman sure. dials it up, he's a mean, sinister bastard, and you just yeah. know it. He's like, you've been talking about the Queen again. Hackman, fucking Independence good. Day. <laughs> Hackman's so yeah. good, dude. Oh, yeah, he really is. Yeah, I mean, no wonder. Like, I wasn't surprised because I was reading about like the awards and stuff. This one, like afterward, I was like, I'm not surprised that Hackman took away took away the the Oscar for this one for supporting because. I mean, he's he's good, man. He's so good, dude. From an acting perspective, from the performances, I think I agree with you that the Schofield kid was probably the worst, at least, you know, somebody that had a lot of screen time. But I just think that, you know, M Morgan Freeman was in a freaking renaissance in the early to mid-90s. I mean, you know, Driving Miss Daisy, this. Uh, he did Robin Hood with Kevin Costner. Like, I mean... The guy was just putting out banger after banger, and it didn't take long before the world to go, well, this is one of our great living actors here. 
And I think Eastwood knew that too. And that's why he cast him. But, you know, I thought their chemistry was great. I really kind of believed the connection that Will and Ned had yeah, and yeah. the history that they had together. And when you find out that Ned was killed by Hackman, you know, it just made it that much more because it's obviously personal to Will. And, you know, I mentioned earlier about just getting chills in that moment when he finds out and she, the uh, one of the prostitutes is there and she's kind of giving the story that Ned told little Bill. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And she, she's like, you know, you killed X, Y, Z and you, you know, you killed the U S marshal in 1870 and like right, 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 yeah. all these like train robberies and shit. And there's all this like really vicious evil shit. And he's just sipping the whiskey, like, you know, and then he's like, that didn't scare a little bill, did it? You know, and then he goes back into town. I want to ask you, because I always get really excited for like a first first time seeing this. When he rides back into town to, to avenge Ned's death, Ned's, you know, being displayed in front of the bar there. And he goes in and they're all fucking planning on how to find him the next morning. Right. His pouring down rain. And he walks into the saloon with the fucking double barrel gun, shotgun. What, where were you at mentally? I mean, were, am I the only one that's just like literally like, and I mean, I've seen it 15 times and I get so excited. Well, I mean, it, it, it calls to mind, like you think about scenes like, uh, like name, name your pick of a Tarantino scene where like the, like the tension just gets ratcheted up and up and up and up. And I mean, it's, it's a great, like that's easily, rewind a little bit before that that's easily maybe i don't like the revelation in that scene quite as much mm. um in terms of like it's it's the prostitute writing out there and, and and saying the same story that ned said to him i don't know i mean granted they, they won all the oscars and stuff like that i'm nobody so who am i to tell them what, what's better <laughs> but like i i didn't maybe necessarily like the reveal of that but i like that like that that's the moment like you don't know they never talk about what william money's done and you think about the way he is with his kids and how much he loved his wife he won't sleep with the prostitute you know because right. he's still in love with his wife even though she's been dead for years right. and like all these different stuff so you're thinking the whole time you're carrying the expectation into this movie that this is a noble man this is an honorable man right and that immediately like when you when that's revealed to the audience it completely demystifies that character and like it it, it what what I love about that is is the way that it brings an audience member into conflict, because now you've been riding with this character this whole way, and you've been like, you're you've been rooting for him, like you know, you like you've been rooting for him. He's the protagonist of the movie, like you want him to take down little Bill because little Bill's this you know terrible evil sheriff. Beat him up when he had a fever, you know, like he's sick in the he's sick in the right. tavern. He has a fever, and little Bill beats the crap out of him and throws him out of the right. tavern in the rain like all this different stuff nearly kills him he nearly dies and 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 everything so like that that whole moment like that moment in and of itself when you watch it it completely deconstructs everything about the movie right there in front of your eyes and like sure. that's that's like a masterstroke of screenwriting right there the way it completely it completely tears your expectations away 
So like, right. like, yeah, like, and then like you're, like you said, like, then you, then you have him go to the bar there and then you have Ned there propped up in the casket, like outside of the, outside of the bar. And, and like I said, that's, that's when it's, it's, it's like watching, it's like watching those great Tarantino scenes or any of those really great scenes in cinema where the tension just, just slowly, it's a little knob, slowly, slowly 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 turns up and you can feel it you can feel you're waiting you're waiting you're waiting you're waiting for something to happen and then it goes with the direction that you don't necessarily expect either because he shoots the owner of the saloon for yeah. putting skinny. that outside first skinny yeah he, shoot, he shoots skinny first for just for just for putting him outside and everything and that's the other kind of thing too is is you well you mentioned that like as soon as as soon as he takes as soon as he starts drinking yeah the, he hasn't different- been he hasn't been much of an outlaw. Like, let's face it, like yeah. up to this point in the movie, he can't shoot for a damn. Like he he barely manages to like get a body shot on the one cowboy in the canyon when they're like shooting at him. And that's after right. like several shots of completely missing him. Can't hit the, the can in his yard with the pistol even. And even then there was a great kind of character um, accolades for him as a character because he tells him to take him water. Cause he yeah. knows the kid's dying. He's like, I'm thirsty. Yeah. And we know that 10, 15, 20 years ago, William money was not going to take him water. He was going to walk up to him and blow his head off, you know yeah. what I mean? To finish that's the, the interesting job. thing about it. Like that's, that it's, that's, that's, that's where the, that's where the genius of this movie really is. It's in, it's in that turn. It's in that revelation to the audience about, like who this character really has been this entire time. And it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a movie that's made for the audience in that sense that it's like, this is the guy you've been rooting for this whole time. This is, this right. is who you've been, this is who you've and, been putting your lot in with. And it's a shame too, that the Schofield kids uh, performance wasn't that great because we, you know, cause he meets him then he meets him as the old broken down pig farmers. He put yeah, in. yeah, and he doesn't know other than just what his uncles kind of told him. But he never sees with his own eyes that old murderous William Money. And when we fast forward and we see that, and that's what we see the whole movie. All we just we hear people mentioning it and recollecting or whatever, but we never see anything that would lead us to believe that he was a scary figure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. A violent figure. And then you fast forward to that scene on the hill, and the kid sees it. And we see it as the audience and the kids scared of him. You know, he's like thinking that Will's going to kill him. He's like, I'm not going to kill you kid. You're the only friend I've got, you know? And we're to your point, we're kind of realizing it through that character. Cause he kind of came in with Clint at that old father taking care of his kids stage of his life. But I I don't I don't want you to skirt around. I want to hear what you thought when he goes into the saloon and we get that final, you know, with him and little Bill. And I mean, I, I just want to know what you thought. I mean, I every time I'm like, this is the greatest shit I've ever seen. Like, I just cannot get enough of it. And he does not give a fuck, dude. Like, he's like, I will kill every motherfucker in this saloon right now in Ned's honor. Like, I don't care. He's like, if you don't want to get killed clear on out the back you know what i mean and it's just it's one of those great moments in my memory as a movie lover i want to know what you what you thought of that final kind of scene there i mean the well okay there's one thing i really hated about the final scene all right 
he he kneels he crouches down gerald he kneels down i mean he's got a shotgun i mean he just he's he's, he's blowing dudes away and it's great um i love the way the tension ratchets up in the scene i love i love i love like that explosive like standoff like i love that but like man he's not even in cover he's just crouching there they're three feet away from him and they can't hit him right stop it right but Beauchamp asked him after and he says yeah i've just always been kind of lucky when it comes to killing folks put put him behind a table or (laughs) something something some because the way it's shot the way it's shot it looks like money is literally like there's a dude with a revolver standing here and and he's he's three feet away and the dude can't hit the broadside the dude can't even hit him when he's like literally he's crouched on the floor so he's a bigger target like he's not even standing up and like Clint Eastwood's thin and wiry. So like you could yeah. maybe admit, like that was the only part of that scene that I was just like, seriously, come on. Like that just annoyed me. But like the rest of it, like the, the scene's great. Like, I'm not going to tell you the scene's not great. Like it is really, really great. Like it really, really is. And then especially like those like last moments, like that last, that last um, like conversation with, with little yeah. Bill, like little Bill still alive. and seeing hell. Yeah, he just says, "Yeah, yeah." I mean, it's 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 all great. Like it's 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 all really, really, really great, man. It really, really is. When you hear people having all these memories as teenagers or kids and going to see Star Wars and all, you know, superhero. And you you mentioned Batman eighty nine. You know, for me, it was seeing Clint Eastwood walk is one of them for me at least. Is seeing Clint Eastwood walk into that saloon, and the sound design is awesome in this movie. That loud crashes of thunder. Yeah, because you know it's pouring down rain. I love all and the rain like, in this movie. It rained a lot in this movie, and yeah. I really loved it because it's kind of antithetical to like your typical Western where everything looks really dry and everything. Everything was soaking wet in this movie. Everything was like looked like it was cold and damp and miserable. But again, that's yeah. part of that whole demystifying, like demystifying the West. Like it wasn't like cowboys and outlaws and like these amazing gunslingers that are like you're supposed to look up to as these like heroic prophetic figures and like all this different stuff it's you know they were bad people who did like really really bad stuff you know and it was a miserable existence and there was a lot of things that were kind of placed throughout the movie too to lend to that point like you know Beauchamp's character as the biographer for English Bob initially and he's you know traveling with English Bob and he's fascinated by all these kind of outlaw stories that English Bob's been giving him for his book the duck of death, which I love, by the way, I, I, I did love that every so every good. time, every time that Hackman would say it, he kind of continually <laughs> emphasize the duck, says, duck of death, duck, like, duck, I said, love, man, Hackman's um, so but, good, dude. Yeah. But anyway, so, you know, Beauchamp's with English Bob, but then, but then little Bill comes along and yeah. English Bob kind of tells him who he is. And he's like, oh, Bill Daggett from, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. So he's like infamous, too, from the old days. So now he's interested in little Bill. And then when you get ahead to the shootout at the saloon at the end, and uh, little Bill's kind of saying, oh, you must be William Money. You know, killed women and children and, you know, did this and did that. And the camera has that tracking close-up on Beauchamp. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where he's like in awe that he's found somebody even more notorious than these fuckers that he's been following uh, as a biographer. And... I, I just thought it was cool how that little little bit of commentary was sprinkled in there through Beauchamp's character about how 
as a society, they're lifting up these, you know, criminals and murderers and, yeah. you know, in the days before, like a lot of like fictional, you know, superhero and all that crap wasn't. And I love that it was tearing yet. that down. I really, I really, really yeah. do love that it was, uh, that it was tearing that down. I was looking through, I was trying to look, Gerald, I was trying to see like, man, like Young Guns came out like four years before this. So like it would have ruined, I'm trying to think of who else could have played the Schofield kid. And I'm like, well, okay, like he's kind of like a discount Emilio Estevez, like this the guy that played him in <laughs> this movie. I'm sure, like, yeah, but yeah. Young Guns was before this, so you don't want to revisit that. I'm trying to think of what young actor in the '90s, like early '90s, Ooh. could have could have mm. filled in that role and and given a much better, uh, much much better mm. performance. Because like, I just like if it wasn't for that performance, like I, I see what you love about this movie. I love how. It's it's a western, and like you think about some westerns, some westerns aren't necessarily known for how cerebral they are. But I think this is a really smart movie, and I think it really plays against um, audience expectations. The way that it kind of, like I said, it turns it turns your expectations of um, like you're you're rooting for this character that you then find out is this vile despicable person and then you kind of go into this shootout to the end at the end of the movie and you see this amazing tension building and everything like that but like at the same time as an audience member on one hand you were rooting for him but on the other hand like me as as watching it the first time i'm just like i don't know if i really rooting for anybody here you know i'd be be just as fine if this ended with everybody dead you know, yeah, like, it, causes, it causes that dilemma within you. And when Clint yeah. went into the or when Will went into the saloon at the end, he didn't give a shit. Like yeah. he probably he probably thought he was going to die. But his goal was to kill little Bill. And as long as he did that, he literally didn't care. Um, one thing I want to say about the Schofield kid, though, one of the line, there's a lot of really good like line deliveries in this movie from various characters. But one of my favorite ones is actually from him when. He gets into that altercation with Ned because Ned comes to the realization that the kid can't see. He's basically, you know, his eyesight's horrible. Yeah. And so he's calling him out on it. And they get into a, a tizzy or whatever. And uh, Clint's like, can you see 50 yards? And the, Schofield's, <laughs> and the Schofield kid's like, you're goddamn right I can see 50 yards. And I can see far enough to shoot this son of a bitch sitting right in front of me. <laughs> he's got the gun pointed on Ned. Yeah. It's just it's one of my favorite, like, one-liners in the movie, too. Yeah. But there's a lot of good ones. The dialogue is memorable. Uh, the screenplay you already mentioned is great. Um, I mean, I, you know, I mean, I could talk about this movie for another hour. I love this movie. It's one of my all-time faves. I was hoping, I was hoping that Nicholas was going to come through with at least an eight on this. I was like telling myself, I'm like, give me an eight. It's kind of one of those movies that you think about more like after you sure. watch it. So like it's something that could definitely end up bumping up for me on a no, rewatch. But right. I just I just hated I hated that performance and like I get the point of the English Bob character. I just don't know if we needed that big of a setup to paint like little Bill as the evil bastard he was. But I'm okay with it with the scene that we got with Hackman in that. Oh, though, you're I mean that was okay his Oscar scene really. I mean Hackman's just that good. Hackman's just that good. I mean that's true. Yeah. Like I'm I'm fine I'm I'm fine with that kind of stuff. Like I can forgive that stuff, but like that kid like that, uh, that performance was not great. Especially and here's the problem. Here's the problem. He is in this movie Gerald with some heavy hitters acting wise. Hackman, Eastwood, oh yeah. Freeman to a degree, like I mean even Richard Harris to throw him in there. Like I mean 
man, it's not even close, man. It's not like it's night and day. It's night and day. And, and that was it. It really, man. They, what about could, uh had to have been somebody else they could i mean pick. yeah he's he's definitely the weakest of the performances what about uh any of the prostitutes like strawberry alice that's francis fisher yeah which um was in titanic and she did some other she's a good character actress she's in like yes yeah, good character actress she's in every like literally everything in like the 80s and 90s yeah yeah so i thought she was good i thought the lady that um ended up getting cut up in the movie Del- uh delilah right i think her name's delilah they cut her face up. I, yes, I like that yeah, actress Lila, too. Yeah. I thought she did a good job. Yeah. Um, but they were sympathetic figures. You know, I felt like they, as a group, you, you did kind of, I, I don't know. The movie really does a good job because like you said, you don't know really if you should pull for anybody, but I thought it did do a good job where, you know, when the prostitutes were meeting together in their friendship and kinship, you were kind of like, yeah, I hope these bastards get killed. And then they have that scene where the one guy who was really just his partner wants to give her a horse as kind of like an apology. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, well, that guy's kind of sweet. <laughs> you know, I don't maybe I don't want him to die. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. It just really the movie did a good job of like forcing you to kind of change your allegiances throughout the film um, because you never really knew who you were supposed to be rooting for in different scenarios. And then it comes to that ultimate climax where you really don't know like, oh, OK, well, I've been following this. Will Money, who's a struggling father pig farmer, but come to find out he's actually this murderous bastard that'll kill anything in sight. So I don't know what to feel. You know what I mean? I thought it was a very uh, layered movie in that way, and that's why it's stuck with me for so many years. So Yeah. 10 out of 10 for me, brother. By the way, we didn't do the math on this. So you said a seven. What is that? Is it eight and a half? That's eight and a half, G. I mean, that's still still high. That's pretty good. That's That's pretty good. Yeah, I don't you know. You dragged up that. the average on that one, see? Yeah, that's pretty good, though. Replaced it. I'm trying to look at other movies. What else was nominated for an Oscar in 1992? So, all right. Other other nominees this year. Ooh, a few good men, though. That's pretty good. Other nominees this year was Pacino for Scent of a Woman. I've never seen Scent of a Woman. Wait a minute. You're doing actor? I thought you were doing movie. No, no, no. I was just looking at I was just looking at like the different performances. I'm trying to recast the Schofield kid here as as oh. literally anyone literally anyone else. I'd take Marissa Tomei. Take Marissa Tomei out of my cousin Vinny and put her in this. <laughs> like I mean, like literally oh, like Oh man. Michelle Pfeiffer's up in here, Susan Sarandon's up in here. Denzel's I mean, uh, Robert, in here. Robert, Robert Downey Jr. is in it. here. Yeah. There's like any number, like, I mean, you think about any number of like the actors that we know today that were coming up in like the early nineties and stuff that like would have been easy. Like, I, 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 it's just me. That's just me. I'm saying that that, that performance wasn't all, wasn't that, but like the rest of it, it's great. I mean, it's a, it's a really great movie. I don't think it's the greatest festival of all time. I'm saying, Ooh. Imagine if it had been like Brad Pitt. I mean, was he old enough at the time? He probably was right. Cause he was in Thelma and Louise in like 91. That would have been crazy, dude. Can you imagine Brad Pitt in that role? Wow. I mean, just like I said, I, right, don't, well, I, don't, I don't know about best Western of all time ever, but uh, nah, it's up there. It's top three, bro. It's but, top three. Uh, I don't, uh, no, no, no love for no love for Once Upon a Time in the Western. No, you're gonna do that to me. I mean, that's a good one. You but... gonna do that? It's a good one. <laughs> It's a good one. God, Dan's groaning and rolling his eyes right now because I know Dan was not as big of a fan of that movie. That movie is a stone cold masterpiece. Love that movie. Oh, so All right, there good. you go, guys. Uh, Unforgiven from 1992 was this week's 
roulette good retro stuff, review. Man. Good pick. Good pick. Nick, uh, thanks for discussing it with me, and I'm glad we were able to correct that blind spot for you. So yeah. good pick. I was man. hoping I was hoping for an eight, but maybe we'll get that on the rewatch. So we'll we'll see. Uh we'll see if it grows. Is on it the you. is it the is it the no school field kid cut? <laughs> yeah, it's the Marissa Tomei <laughs> cut. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody just photoshops her character, better. her, her yeah. photoshops her character from My Cousin Vinny into the movie, and this she's movie sitting there go. like yelling at Clint Eastwood and like that Jersey accent or whatever. Uh, oh man! And then you have uh, Jason Alexander in the background going, "Marissa Tomei, <laughs> do it!" Oh, do it. I want to see that. I want to see uh, that movie now. I do too. That would infinitely be. That would go to an eleven out of ten for me right away. Give it <laughs> to Marissa me. Tomei in there. Give it to me, man. All right, Nicholas, how we wrap up every episode is we head over to the Facebook fan page, head over to social media and see what the fans had to say. In the old comment section, they throw questions at us each week. And I've got one I've been kind of honing in on here. What about Ooh, you, man? Do you want to go, go first? Ahead and get it. Go no, first? you jump on it, baby. You get mad at me for stealing all the questions again if I if I do. So I know, I know. So Nerdrovert, Jason, patron and friend of the show, he asked a couple questions, but he also says, where, do this, where does this rank for you as far as Gene Hackman performances? Ooh, Hackman. Okay. Yeah. And I got to tell you, man, th- this might be it for me. I think that when he plays that unsavory villainous role, and I'm, talking, I'm not talking about Lex Luthor, which I also love, by the way. But that's more of a slapsticky villain, whereas in Unforgiven, he is just an unseedy bastard. So I think that's it for me. But the other one I wanted to shout out is The Birdcage. When he plays, have you seen The Birdcage with Robin yeah. Williams and Nathan Lane? Yeah, I'm very familiar with it, though. But I know so I he plays I this. Uh, he plays this like conservative senator that they're trying to hide the fact that uh, the parent, the other side of the parents are gay, which is Robin Williams and Nathan Lane. And when he gets brought into that world in Miami, he ends up, you know, dancing in drag and like all this other like stuff in kind of that underbelly of the gay community. And just seeing Gene Hackman do that is just such a fond memory for me. He absolutely nailed it and just felt so out of place, which I imagine is probably what he would be in real life. But I mean, aside from the birdcage, for me, it's unforgiven. Do you have a favorite Gene Hackman performance? I mean, it, it's got to be it's got to be Luthor, right? It's got to be it's got to yeah, be Lex Luthor for me. It. I'm too that's big of a it. I'm too big of a Superman lover, like in terms of like the character. Like, I don't think aside from Superman three, which just is terrible. I even really love the you know Superman four for all of it, all of its canon all of its canon campiness and glory. Uh, you know, like I mean, but he's he's so deliciously great in that role i I really just i I really just love him i really really do um i'm looking through his filmography i have not seen way too many gene hackman movies all right man what's your uh what's your question you want to grab out there i mean i was i was honestly well so a few different people asked a few different iterations of the same question ish uh you can grab brett from dissect that film nerd revert jason also kind of asked like the same thing uh, favorite Eastwood performance and favorite Eastwood directed film. Christiani also threw it in here. That was what was the first Eastwood starring film and first Eastwood directed film you've ever seen. What do you what 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 would the first one you ever saw be that wow. he directed and starred um, in? Uh, probably it's probably I mean, Grand Torino for me. I would think. I'm trying, I'm trying to, to think, think if I saw this. This was in '92. 
Bridges of Madison County was after this, I think. I really yeah. like that one too with uh, Meryl Streep. Uh, it may have been this. <laughs> Maybe it unforgiven, honestly, for me, because that was '92. I think honestly, it was probably Gran Torino was the first time uh, I ever saw a Clint Eastwood directed uh, directed by and starring. I mean, that oh, no movie, wait, that movie's no phenomenal, wait, no, dude. no, no. I know what it is. Is uh, play Misty for me, which is actually what my sister's named after. Remember, I told you my dad was a huge fan, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So play Misty for me. My sister's name's Misty. And it's directly taken from that movie, but that was the first one because that came out in 1971. I probably saw that when I was maybe like 10 years old. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was the first one, but I didn't remember it. I had to look it up, but yeah. 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 I like that one, but um, I mean, I, is, it, is it even, is there even a point in asking you what your favorite Eastwood directed movie is and your favorite Eastwood performance is? Is there even a point? It's this, although there's a, a an underseen gem that came out the year after this that is one of my favorite movies of all time is probably in my top like 30 or 40 films of all time it's also directed by eastwood he stars in it with kevin costner and it's a movie called a perfect world have you ever seen that or heard of it yeah no one has anytime i bring it up they're (laughs) like they're either like no or they're like uh sounds familiar but i don't know what you're talking about and i have to explain it but it's a really, really good direct, direct, directorial effort from Eastwood in that film, but it's uh, Kevin Costner's an escaped convict. I'll make this quick, but he ends up kidnapping an eight-year-old boy, and this is in the 1960s, yeah. and he, ta- he takes him on the run. He kind of holds him hostage, and him and the boy end up becoming very, very close because the little kid didn't have a dad, and he connects to Kevin Costner's character, and they, they just become tight. And Clint Eastwood is the U.S. Marshal that's hunting them down, trying to find them. Yeah, okay. That's the premise of the movie, but it's called A Perfect World. It has a devastating final act. One of the greatest, I'm just going to tell you right now, one of the greatest plot twists I've I've ever seen in real time in a movie where I was like, holy shit, I can't believe that just happened yeah, in, yeah, the last, yeah. in the last act of this film. Uh, but yeah, I, was, I just want to give a shout out to A Perfect World, but I mean, aside from that, it's got to be Unforgiven. Man, I'm trying to uh, I'm just trying to think of like I think we I think we talked like, whether it was part of the episode or not, probably one of those parts we told Dan to cut out of the episode because we're cruel, yeah. evil people. Uh yeah. uh Letters from Me with Jima, I love I love that whole like he did both of those films. He did Flags of Our Fathers and Letters from Me with Jima uh, about the two sides of that, you know, that conflict obviously is part of World War II. Uh, I really love Letters from Me with Jima. That is a phenomenal film. Uh, really, really love that. Gran Torino is incredible. Like just absolutely, absolutely incredible. Yeah, and good. like just to throw some throw some love at uh, at Bradley Cooper and American Sniper too. Uh, I really, really, I really, really love that movie. Phenomenal performance by Cooper uh, in 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 that movie as well. Like I, I don't, I like I, I've I've got too many blind spots in in his older stuff, uh, Eastwood's older stuff. Unfortunately, both acting and directing. And a quick shout out on Paul's behalf for fifteen seventeen to Paris because I know he. Loves oh, I know that he, one. big fan. Big he loves that one. <laughs> huge, that actually, huge fan of that one. To answer uh, the question over there, that might be Eastwood's worst based on some of the reviews I was just reading. But I actually haven't seen that one, so yeah, I've, I've, uh, I haven't seen it. I've well, Paul has Paul has so vehemently detested it for so many years now. I'm not. I'm not that brave, man. I trust Paul. Yeah. I trust Paul more than I'm brave enough to to watch that movie like his description of it like it was what it was like a, it was a terrorist attack and like these guys stopped it because they were like 
Were they Navy yeah, SEALs? It's based on a true story, but, but then I like he, I don't Eastwood know got the dudes that actually did it to be in the movie. Right. Instead of getting actors to do it. And I guess it's right. really obvious because the people that are in it are actually really bad. But he's done some interesting stuff. Like Richard Jewell was pretty good a few years ago. Uh I didn't see that he, one. I, I I missed that one when it came out. He did. Uh, he did Sully with Tom Hanks. Which Sully's wasn't great, bad. dude. Sully's real yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. So he's done some good stuff. I, I mentioned Bridges of Madison County, which I also really like. Uh, okay, there you go. That's our Clint Eastwood love fest for the night, but uh, Unforgiven. Nick, thanks for discussing it with me, man. It's one of my favorite of all time, and I love when it's I get a chance stuff, to man. revisit it. It's, it's real good stuff. A, a ten for me, which is not a shock, and a seven from Nicholas. On Unforgiven, it puts us at an 8.5 cumulatively, uh, cumulatively on this retro review. Nick, next week, we're going to go back out to the theater. We're going to check out The Holdovers, the new Alexander Payne film starring Paul Giamatti. That's been getting a lot of love this award season. I know you've been excited to see that one, so we'll check that out next week. I mean, those two those two back together, I mean, I, Sideways is, is easily like top 10, top 20 of all time for me. Uh, nice. I absolutely love that movie. I love Alexander Payne, so I've got All big, right. big expectations. In spite of, in spite of the downsizing of his uh, of his filmography, I still absolutely in that case. Love uh, in that case, I can't wait to shit all over this thing next wow. week. I will get I will get my wow. scorecard from the room back out and have it ready to go for you. How dare you? I'm still waiting for you to rewatch right. the room and recognize the area of your ways. Yeah, maybe it'll go up to a three on a rewatch. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to get me to watch it eight more times, and then you know I'll get a point each time. All right, so we'll do the holdovers next week, guys, and then I don't know what we're doing. It's award season. So much to new, watch. There's a new release every week. I'm taking my son to see the new Godzilla this week. Yo, we it comes just, out. Yeah, it comes out here too. Yeah, so yeah, I can't wait to see we, it. We were just talking about Dream Scenario with Nicolas Cage just came out. Like, I, I don't know, man. We'll figure it out. We'll let everybody know on the episodes what we're planning on covering. But next week, it will be Alexander Payne's The Holdovers. Nicholas, until then, I love you, brother. And, uh, don't kill any women or children before we before we record next week. When you turn up to record next week, you're gonna be like, Nick. You know, somebody came here to find me in my recording studio, but I had long since abandoned it. And yeah, it's just people a, couldn't understand why anybody would want to get with a no good podcaster like me. I log on to the video call next week, and just a tumbleweed blows by. <laughs> Man, if I could make that happen somehow, that'd be <laughs> that'd be good. Yeah, that'd be dope. You, you could, you could. All right, man, I'll talk to you then. I appreciate you. Peace.